always after the intro it's hard to speak it's rob actually i'm a bird flying solo on carnival of randomness today and i use the bird thing because when is a raven not like a writing desk when it's the archive ravens in the back like how he did that yeah <laughs> so it's tom and ava's back we're very glad to have them and they have a gig at fringe fest on september 16th it's about world music i take it and we will talk about that they also have a gig coming up this week so we'll talk about that and other interesting stuff but i have to just bring up quickly again the story how you know it's one of my favorite names and how you got the name sure um so what we really wanted to do was not just write original music even though that is a very like a centerpiece of, of our musical mission but we also really wanted to incorporate music from different um cultures and different time periods because we really feel like that roots music there's so much you know you're always standing on the shoulders of greatness as a musician you're always digging back into your roots and so really being able to go to those cultures and trying to in a deep way look at what they were doing try to touch back with that um and how that relates to the name is of of course archive you go into an archive and you you see everything from the past and it helps inform the future and and, you know planning and stuff like that and then ravens are a very interesting creature because in mythology they were often the connection between the celestial world and the earthly world because they feasted on dead animals, basically. And so what ancient people thought was like, oh, they must be that connection between, you know, like the the afterlife, the dead, and the living, and and the world right now. And so they were, like, basically thought of as, like, spiritual messengers between the gods in some cultures. Um, And and that's, it's, like, surprising how consistent that is in, like, Native American cultures and in Norse culture and in even, like, India, Indian um, culture, and like how they've played such an important role as that. That's like the main thing that they're such like connecting forces, and we want to connect music. But the other thing is that they're shapeshifters, and for me, I've always really engaged with that because musically, I've always wanted to play around with like bringing in old things and, and juxtaposing them with new things, and saying like, look at what's different, but look at what's the same. Um, so that's that's where the name. I think in from. our collective unconsciousness, there's some connections too, because you just go around the world, take every myth, and everything. Like you go back to myths of the, the flood myths, Gilgamesh, or any of these. Uh, that Osiris, somebody who died and rose from the dead. We yeah. all have our shapeshifter, like in Africa, Anna Tansy, the trickster, the trickster oh, myth, yeah. the spider, the little spider guy, <laughs> as mm-hmm. I could call him. But I think we do somehow. We're all connected in a way, like the way we think. In terms of all these, but it's also too. Raven sounds better than turkey vulture, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You say you say that. I'm thinking about like, okay, you got pyramids in Egypt, and you got pyramids also in the Americas, and it's like, okay, was that from literally the same culture, same idea? People just migrated, or was it just that that collective unconsciousness where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, building in the shape is a good thing. Well, to like do. Easter yeah. Island or something. Right. How do those? Are like, that's an interesting point too. And I'm sure people have done studies. Like, how do you get like an isolated people, but you finally like, they live on an Island or they've never been to civilization or anywhere else, but they just stayed where they were. And you go in and they have all the stuff that we have. Yeah. 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 Well, the interesting thing about those Island peoples is, um, a lot of them created the same technology in roughly the same amount of time. So even though humans had been around for, like, you know, 
whatever large span of time, they found that a lot of the technology on the, those island people made separately, you know, they of course never could have interacted, but they came up with the technology at roughly the same time. And it makes me think of, uh, you know, like Carl Jung and the archetypes. That's, that's like he, that's a lot of that is like basically in our subconscious psyche, we have all these things and even like dreams and, you know, like, like the vision of a like winged lion and stuff like that is across all cultures that have never interacted. So there's like things that he thinks are basically like set within us, almost like in our like genetic code sort of thing, but they're psychological. Power of myth, Joseph Campbell's books, all that stuff, you know, and also the golden bow. Even though in the Golden Bough, George MacDonald Frazier, the one thing you wouldn't want to do when you were an ancient leader is, I guess, because they were so afraid of death. And they didn't know, like, if you got, like, a tooth fell out or something, they'd, they'd murder you. <laughs> so you were, oh, I feel great Wait, today. What, what was the Golden Bough? George MacDonald Frazier. It's about myths, lore, early peoples, the power of myth. Mm-hmm. And it goes on about early cultures. How, yeah, if you were, uh, because... You know, imagine too, you're like among the first people and people die, and you really wonder what's happening. And trying that's the whole idea of Gilgamesh, mm-hmm. where they were trying to explain, okay, you know, the idea of there's immortality, but it got stolen because you never, you didn't know what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that's what that whole book is. It's like 600 pages on ancient civilizations, collective unconsciousness, and everything else. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Hungin and Mungin. Odin's oh, great. yeah, yeah. Aren't those the ravens of Odin? Odin? Yeah. yeah. So I can't even remember people's names anymore. Like, I can't remember <laughs> stuff like that. But that's, I mean, also, I mean, you, like, some of your songs, I love, like, where they come from. I mean, who else does songs, they have, like, something from physics in them? Or... <laughs> yeah. I really love those, too. I mean, I think, for me personally, for my songwriting, I keep it pretty simple. I think I do kind of what a lot of singer-songwriters do, you know, get a good little chord progression write something from the heart and then ava over here she's breaking it down like how do i make this chord progression as scientific as possible and also i want to throw in something like a metaphor about physics and the wave function and things like that and relate that to my relationships and i think yeah i do that on this show all uh, the time with greg yeah. <laughs> he's like i'm a drummer i hit stuff yeah <laughs> well it's funny because like there's pros and cons to to both methods and that's why i'm so like basically honored to work with Tom is because the fusion really brings it to this place where, because we want it, you want it to be approachable. You want it to be something that people enjoy intuitively. But then for me, like, I I know a lot of songwriters, it's really cool they do this. They just kind of like sit down and in an afternoon they write a whole song. And for me, that's like, whoa, that's, that's crazy cool. For me though, usually where a lot of ideas come from is I'll just be like sitting up in bed at night, like thinking about some weird thing. And I'll be like, oh, you know, cool thing about music is you can structurally represent stuff like that in a way that isn't literal um and you can take the literal and put it next to music which like represents it in like a in a way that's more like you intuitively feel the pattern so but i think you do your dreams too because a lot of times yeah. they're like stories for you like i've had like a pen and paper by the bed sometimes like you just get Definitely. up like or i'll have no because i'll think of an idea i know when i wake up i won't remember this so i gotta write it down yeah. Then I'll write like a couple words. I go, what was I thinking about? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's how like creative people create. And I think that's like the one thing I've been saying on this show lately. I've decided like some people have yelled at me. No, you're a music snob and everything because I make fun of <laughs> certain bands. And I say, no, what bothers me about them, this goes way back to a lot of people even I know, is you can like what you like, but they're not willing to even try anything mm-hmm. else. Yeah. And they have a weird thing where like if you don't like their stuff, you're like... <laughs> 
you know, you know, but it's like, okay, I'll go to your, I'll go to the show, your cover band show. Why don't you just try this? You might like it. And they, oh yeah, we'll go. And they never show up or something, or they don't. Yeah. And I don't get that. We're like, you're like, I like to call it. It's like being your musical explorers. You're looking for everything out there, and you know it's unending, which is great. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. I think part of that is also tribal with people like getting stuck in their genres. It's almost like people having their like baseball team or football team or whatever and they're just like oh. well, these are my people and so I don't want to stray from that and this is where I feel comfortable and this is where I feel at home but yeah for us and like for our name and stuff we always wanted to be exploring and kind of reaching into our roots in a way that was you know like it's interesting because it is kind of nostalgic even if it's cultures and times that we've never been to for me I've I've talked to a lot of people who will say things like they'll hear like a Disney Channel song come on and be like oh this is so nostalgic or what was the other song that um, all the small things all the like small things time. and I, I saw that on someone's like uh, list for a gig and I was like that's a cool song but I wouldn't really imagine like wanting to cover it necessarily and and they were like oh but it's really nostalgic and it's interesting for me like I'm not necessarily nostalgic for that for that time like realistically like i'm not really nostalgic for like my high school time and, like what a lot of people are nostalgic for maybe because i wasn't engaged with pop culture very well like which is bad because no, it seems think, like you're under a rock a lot of, but... i've always said if you're not if people ask you when we, if people go when were the best days of your life and you're saying that i think it's sad like high school mm. or something it's like you're looking at rose colored glasses the best time of your life should be now mm. yeah. looking at the future and yeah. like those times weren't that great it's like you think the 50s were great for some people yeah some people <laughs> and i think about that even like i think about like i wouldn't be able to do a lot of things with certain friends in the 50s but i also think the idea too of the song music it's like a universal way to you know communicate think about we were talking about like at your show about homer and you, you know, you had your Penelope reference, which made me think of Ulysses. Unfortunately, not the mm. Odyssey. <laughs> I I say that because it took me three weeks to read. It was a pain. <laughs> Is she? She's called Penelope in the Odyssey, though, right? You know, oh yeah, she's Penelope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and Ulysses too. Yeah, and both. Yeah. Of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's all that is. But that's. But remember, we were saying, like, if you really read Homer or any of these others. You're wondering why is all this flowery words like why the mighty, the bold Ajax? Because yeah. why he was singing it, he was like like mm. lyric poeming it to people. Yeah. Could you imagine like your gigs or whatever you play like maybe an hour and a half two hours? You imagine okay now we have to do a poem for five hours. Yeah, <laughs> well it's impressive, right? It's years and years of constant practice, and that's that's all he did. That was his profession. He's you know? blind too. Yeah, he didn't. It's not like he that. didn't go out and it's work a blind the land. Poet. He would wake up every day and he'd work the poems. You know. Mm. You know, that's intriguing, though, like that, how they do that. Yeah. But I was going to say, like, you were talking about how do you sort of pick your covers? Because I know you were talking a little about Diamonds and Rust, which I think was really good myself. So. I love oh, that thanks. song. We have a few. <laughs> um, How do we pick our covers? That's a good question. No, it because is, they're like, um, out of, like out of the ballpark. Like when you started with that, I'm thinking, OK, here's another one that I never expected that. <laughs> yeah, well, it is kind of random, if I'm going to be honest. Like it is for covers. I think we just try to catch the like the the what is the word i'm looking for like the momentum of like oh i just heard this cool version of this song like let's do that and try to get that energy um, it really depends sometimes we have just different songs that we really like that again are unique and maybe we want to expand the j different genres that we tap into but also for that song specifically it was actually my uncle john would always ask for it he kept seeing us and he loves us and he's like 
oh, do you guys know any Joan Baez play Diamonds and Rust? And <laughs> after hearing it four or five times, I was like, maybe we should learn that Diamonds and Rust song. Yeah. You didn't play the Judas Priest version. Oh, I've never heard Oh, that I didn't one. know that. Yeah, that was actually the first time I ever heard it was Judas Priest. And I read oh. that they did Diamonds and Rust. Then I found it was Joan Baez. Mm. And it basically is like a complaint song about somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But... but you know, but that's how, you know, some people you take it personally to write that stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's the one thing I want to talk about a lot is you are having a show at Friends Fest coming up. And now this is more you're focusing on your international music. Is that the, or would you just prefer world music? Yeah, I don't know. I just call it, I call it world music. I don't really know what to call music a lot of times. Just yeah. go with whatever seems it's right. music. Like I had a friend on recently who didn't like the term art. And I'm like, it's just whatever you do. You know, it's like yeah. generic. I just use music for, because yeah. we're not playing tiddlywinks. We're talking about <laughs> music, I guess. So uh, for this for this show, it's called Folk Music from Around the World. And it's actually a project that we started with Brennan Caroselli. Well, Brennan Caroselli and Ava started it. Um, basically to pursue different folk songs that were important in different cultures deeply rooted in other cultures um, that they just thought were really interesting and to get that influence of different styles of music. So we've expanded the repertoire and yeah, we'll be performing a show of all these different songs from different cultures. Yeah. On, on that, Kudos on that like on sort of yeah. pronunciations with all oh, the... Yeah. <laughs> Realistically, I mean, I'd love to say I'm working with uh, specialists from all these different countries, but realistically it's kind of a fake it till you make it. And as as vocalists, like both Tom and I like singing in other languages because it just opens up your world to all these other possibilities because as a vocalist, you know, just the melodic line is not your only um, medium of expression. Also, vowels and consonants and how they interact. And so in English, you have a set of those that interact specifically but they you don't have in all these other languages you have you have other things other possibilities and each language has its weird peculiarities and trying to engage with that is really exciting like german's got its own feel french has its own feel it like it physically feels different um and you know we're learning well i'm I'm learning a lot of new languages for this show and i'm doing my very best with them like listening to native singers sing them um, but also at the end of the day, it's, it is kind of an approximation because we don't necessarily have like the, the, the funds and stuff to hire, uh, tutors to come in and nitpick our <laughs> pronunciation. So we're kind of like, we're approximating it in, in like as, in a way that we are being like as faithful to it as we can, like honoring it as much as we can, but not worrying if it's perfectly perfect, you know? <laughs> I would say too, and I might be totally wrong, I think... Maybe more importantly is you just have to understand the background and the meaning of the song. So I think the big thing with music, there's, okay, I don't know what the heck you're saying. <laughs> right. Okay, I do know like 25 languages. and I'm lying. It's my show. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I think you understand, like, say, like, okay, this song's about he's just lost something and we're conveying it through music. Right. You feel the emotion and you just see the way they're singing the sorrowfulness mm-hmm. and you have no idea what the words are, but, you know, they're universal. You know, we have so many universal themes mm-hmm. and I think that's what plays out. Yeah. yeah. A- absolutely. Because yeah. different languages actually, like, capture thought in different ways too. Like, even if you're just looking how they order words differently in sentences or they have different words. Like, in German, you have a lot of words that are, like, squished together that are all make one word like my favorite one is like abendrot which is evening red which is like it's like sunset like that sunset color but it's also like the evening it's also like the ending it's it's this really beautiful um terms like stuff like that that we just don't have in english and so there's so many more possibilities linguistically that opens up all these different thoughts but as you said so much of it is universal um but i agree with you and that's why we're kind of okay with it not being 
maybe necessarily perfect linguistically because as long as you're honoring the culture and honoring the language. Yeah, and you explain a little bit what the song's about and what yeah. you're trying to achieve in them too, so people have an idea. And I think that if, I think that's a really good too, because then people can like the way you're like sort of doing like the way your tone is and the music and everything else. Mm-hmm. One thing I found out though during the great COVID lockdown, I have tons of international music, so I started playing it all the time. And I also just love like also like the different instruments and everything and. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely something that I wish we were tapping more into, but at a certain point, it's like, again, money, like, you go buy, oh, uh, it's called a ney, right, the uh, kind of Arabic flute that you hear and all those things, it's like, okay, well, probably not going to start dropping money on that, but even, but if you do, it makes the show so much more interesting, you know, like, you get a unique instrument and suddenly... You could do something so simple, but people are hearing that new sound, that new timbre, and it draws them in, and it brings them to that to that culture. So trying to get a, a good balance of that. But, I mean, at the same time, for the nay, I'm playing clarinet instead, so things like that. It was also, too, what was – I forgot. I actually knew it at your show at Daily Refresher. Now I forgot it was the Bulgarian instrument. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now I forgot what it was. <laughs> mm, oh, I would have Yeah, the one that sounds like a bagpipe. Yeah, it's like a Bulgarian bagpipe. Yeah. <clears throat> But it's fascinating mm-hmm. to see it on stage, too. I saw my friend Leah play. She's a people player. That's just a mm-hmm. Chinese lute. But she had a friend come on and brought this instrument, and it's the National Instrument of Sweden. Basically, it looks like a platypus. And I can't... <laughs> Are you serious? Wow. Yeah, it does. It's just the visual of it. And the first thing I said is, you have a CD? I have to hear this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's somebody out there, like all the weird instruments and everything, mm-hmm. too, and all the different sounds you get in there, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not just like your one guitar and like your one metal rift or anything yeah. else. It's funny, our, our friend Brendan, who we're doing the show with, actually has a really cool collection of instruments from around the world. Like, he has a guzheng, which is, I think, originally from China. It's like kind of like a Chinese mandolin. And he has a couple of Ind- Indonesian balafons. He even made a balafon himself. And he has Indonesian? An- I think it's Indonesian. Oh, I thought those were African. I... I- I think the ones that he has are Indonesian, but I think that he was saying that there's some African connection and like the oh. trade routes between them, like they developed. It was kind. Of, I think like we were talking about before. I think they kind of like developed them simultaneously, and because there was like these trade routes between them. Mm. Um, but anyways, the one that I'm really jealous of is he has a, a hood. I'm totally saying it wrong. I'm sorry. My, I have a friend Nobody's from Saudi. Nobody's gonna know. <laughs> I'm a, I, my one of my best friends from college is from Saudi Arabia, and so I would say the name of that instrument, which requires a guttural O, which as an English speaker, I can't really wrap my mind around. Um, and but anyways, that's kind of like a guitar, um, but it's it's from that region, like from from the Middle East. Uh, it actually predated the guitar, but he has one of those, and I'm so jealous because I wanted one, but again, don't necessarily have the money to get to get one. Um, but yeah, that's such a beautiful instrument too because there's a lot of similarities with guitar, but it's really like a philosopher's instrument, and uh, one of my it really <laughs> what is do you like mean, that's what, what you mean by that? Well, that's that's kind of what people would would say about it because just like. It's interesting just because it's like melodic, um, like mannerisms. It's very like you're it's, it's p- you're picking it more than you're strumming it. With the guitar, you can strum, but with a wood, you're more doing this picking pattern. And a lot of like the Arabic maqams, like it, it's it's more of like a a thought, a stream of thought, like a literal stream of thought. Maybe potentially that's kind of how I interpret it. That would be really interesting to look at. It's something I've never <clears throat> even really thought about, like the develop of music all around the world. Why? 
they would go for such instruments. Is it like, you think in a way, practicality, maybe that's what they had on hand, like they had these type of tools or this type of, like, wood or something there that they could make this. Because mm-hmm. that's something I've really never thought of where they've come from. Like, you go to Jamaica, you hear the reggae in the woods and everything. Why? Because mm-hmm. maybe because they were poor, they started banging on drums, like mm-hmm. banging on garbage cans even, like something. Mm-hmm. I think that there's two elements to it. I think there's the one element, um, which was described in a lot of like the Tuvan throat singing, where they're trying to imitate nature. I think there's a lot of that in in music, especially the older um, primordial music, if you want to call it that, um, with singing and with different percussion instruments, just trying to imitate the sounds of nature. But I think then there's also this rhythmic element to it and this pulse, like this heartbeat that everybody feels. um, And I think that's where a lot of the percussion comes from, where... I don't, I don't know. You think about, like, how they come up with that. They're just like, okay, what if we stretch the skin over this, like, hollow log and then mm-hmm. hit it and it makes a really cool noise and then, oh, I can hit it in this beat and now we can dance to it. It's one of my it's one of my little beefs now. Yes, it's like deus ex machina for movies and stuff now. You can get anything. Mm-hmm. But I think it's missing an element of creativity when you didn't have that. Mm-hmm. And you had to, like, think about, like, Ray Harryhausen <clears throat> where you have to move the thing every second. Or like, I need an effect, so somebody needs a laser beam. They whack like a telephone wire, like outside mm-hmm. to get the ping. Yeah. And I think there's more fun like that, away because you have to be creative. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it makes me think of the original Star Wars. I mean, this is just a video I saw I was talking about it, but with the original one, they didn't have the CGI, so they had to be very innovative with their special effects and um, all the special effects back in the day before CGI. But nowadays... Um, they you know they just slap CGI on it. It's almost a little bit lower quality because they're not, not putting even, so much heart you know, into I it. I watch it. I know, and I watch some of these movies, and I go, yeah, it's neat, but there's no creativity. They all look like the same stuff, right? And everything. Right. But I also think also the idea of music built on stuff because look at like rock and roll. It was like the blues, the spirituals. They were slaves in the field trying mm-hmm. to get through the horrible days they had singing. Yeah. These things. That's where like all like rock and roll comes from. Yeah you know everything else and the other cool thing about that kind of like we were talking about before different cultures having their own rhythms and stuff the cool thing about like blues and that history is a lot of that came when trains were widespread so you can hear the influence of just actually modes of travel i always think when i'm listening to music that's like middle eastern i can always hear that like three like this like three sort of thing of, of camel steps that's like what i often will hear when i hear like music from that region so you can like hear their modes of transportation and then also like their like linguistic um what's the word cadence and i think yeah. like a lot of that is reflected in the rhythm i think there's a term we took the eastbound train or whatever which means they died like hobos because there's mm. like there's like supposedly like legendary hobo convention but they would say that when somebody died they took that train mm, and everything like that but i was wondering too like what parts of the world are we going to hear there now are you going to be cooking dishes from each of them? <laughs> like, oh, where are we going around the world at the, at the, the show? time? Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's going to be Armenian songs. Uh, a couple of those is a song from Japan. Uh, Brazilian tune. A uh, song in Portuguese. Malian tune. Actually, wow. the Malian tune's not specifically like a deeply rooted folk culture song, but it's a really nice song. It has a really nice message that I just love, and it's it's a very folky sound. Um, yeah, that, that Malian, like West African guitar style is really cool. So they'll mix like blues and pentatonic scale and also this kind of, uh, Arabic feel into the, mm-hmm. into the music and mix that all together. It's really unique. 
I, I've lucked out. They actually had there was some show on uh, ninety one point five that had some of those bands on. Mm. Stuff's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Yeah. Um, so Molly, and that's really, yeah. <laughs> where do you find this stuff? <laughs> I, honestly, like, that one was just I just stumbled upon it, and I was like, this needs to be in the show. A lot of them is just stumbling across them on YouTube, finding a good video, and then looking what YouTube recommends, and then saying, "Oh, I like this artist. What else have they done?" And that's want, a lot of it's a, kind of You want a luck. funny one? There's that monk that plays like metal songs on his gongs. Hmm. And he plays like Judas Priest and the Ramones, and he's just banging a gong on a big drum. But there's one band I think you'd really like. I've seen they became a favorite immediately. A band called Daka Braca. Daka Braca. I've heard the name, but I don't think They played at Hoekstein a lot. They're Mona, one of Mona's favorite, my friends. Oh, local. Say. <clears throat> They're not local. They're from Ukraine. Oh, okay. And, but what they do is, like, they have, <clears throat> they play the drums, but the, the one person, he does, like, like, like bird calls. He's got, like, this, all these different types of bird calls and noises he does with his voice. Oh. <clears throat> They're lots of fun. And, and I'll send you a video of them afterwards. Yeah. They're just, I've seen them. I took one of my friends, and I just asked her, how is this after four times? This is amazing. Wow. Yeah. You know, yeah, they're great. Though. Plus, they were really awesome. Like these big hats. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I do love when you get to see their traditional costumes, They dress too. traditionally. One of the songs that we're doing, it just has a really amazing music video with it. It's from Mongolia. And, and the ladies in particular, they're in these really cool outfits, and they're doing these subtle dances. You know, it's it's nothing, like, flashy, but it's so... It's so classy. It's so cool. And in their outfits, it's just like it's so cool to see that with the music. Unfortunately, we don't again have uh, all these traditional outfits that we can wear. But I really do love seeing. Well, them. Spirit Halloween's open. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I get like I'll get fixated. Like I was fixated on Mongolia for a while, and the reason was so nobody ever talks about it. Mm-hmm. But I got into again during COVID. I was finally going through books. I, I got into a lot of like like ghost mythology around the world and you find Miss Mongolia is very haunted like actually Japan's like probably one of the most haunted countries in terms of their myths and everything they have a ritual they do on Halloween you walk by a house they'll get 30 people or so they'll put a candle up you speak and you blow it out then they blow the last candle out wow Goodness. And it's like very haunt like and you don't I, you know I don't know why you just don't think of like Japan as like it's so very just the the ghostsmiths and everything are fascinating, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but now you also you're playing next week, mm-hmm. this week actually. This is yeah. on, this Friday we're playing at Menden sixty four. It's really nice because I grew up in Menden, like that's so it feels like our stomping ground at this point because we play there every month. We're actually we used to play there every second Saturday, but now we're switching actually to first Fridays starting in October. Um, from 5.30 to 7.30, the first Friday of every month. Um, and, yeah, I, I really love that place. It's really, again, like, I'm, I just use classy, but it is really classy. It's, like, really cozy. Um, they got great food and, and everything. And they're so, they're such supporters of original music. Most of the venues that we play, they say, hey, can you try to keep the originals to a minimum? Please try to, you know, play play the Beatles and play Elton John. Play uh, we love Brooks. that. <laughs> yeah, and we love that. But it's really cool to have a venue that says, hey, can you try to play as much of your original Just music please. as possible? Yeah, okay, please, really cool. no, please. Unless some, you have to. Yeah. Don't do Jolene. Just because I have yeah. seven friends who are doing yeah. it. And it's a lovely song. But now right. when I hear it, I start laughing with friends. It's like, you know, Dolly's done a lot of other stuff. Yeah. That's so funny. It's yeah, so because we do Jolene. song that like, everyone plays. But it's funny because some people will say, oh, please do Jolene. I love when you do Jolene. And then other people will be like, 
oh my god, everyone does Julian. Please I know, don't you know do what Julian. I do now. So we, started, we were just trying to actually, navigate that. One of my friends that I won't mention, I said, you know, you play Julian too. So I hate that song. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny. I don't yeah. know. Some people just want. That's what I say. It's sad to me, but some people just want the familiar. Well, but, there's you know. there is actually. I mean, and, from my it's not nothing wrong with right. it, but also it's like. So as a performer, as a songwriter, of course, you want to do your original stuff. But as a performer, and and you know, if you have like a somewhat strange voice, you also like. Oh, not that I have a strange voice, but you you almost want to introduce people to your voice in a way that they know. You know, you have to like navigate the familiar with the unfamiliar. So sometimes it's like a good entry point to be like, here's a song that you know and love, but here's our little spin on it, and you in- it introduces you to us. But sometimes throwing because you know you know our music is can sometimes be like distinct. No, I was gonna say so you go to an, you go an archive radio show, you get a little bit of everything. You right. come, you get your music, you get world music, you get a little bit of jazz. It's yeah. like that's what I say. It's like a beautiful cornucopia of sound. Oh, thank you. I started that on the spot. It's pretty good. Yeah, that was really nice. But sometimes <laughs> you, I tell you friends of mine, you have, you, I say, you, you're not going to see another band like this. They're unique. <laughs> and you're really going to enjoy it. You'll even get Ave Maria. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> I gosh. I love that song. That so. was a treat. So, actually, um, what Rob's talking about, at our last show, um, our friend who we just met at the climbing gym. So we met her actually only one time before at the climbing gym. And she overheard us talking about practice and was like, oh, I'm a musician. And so we let her know that we were playing at the little Oh, yeah, that cafe. was awesome. And she actually came right from her gig. So she had her cello with her. And we said, hey, you want to jump up here and play cello with us? And so she played cello on, on Schubert's Ave Maria with us. And it was just the coolest experience. Really. Yeah, that never happens on this show. We don't have like a random cello player walk down yeah. the hall. But you did pretty good singing that last song, too. Tom. Oh, I know, you, I know you were a little like, no, I didn't. But you were fine. Oh, it was Remember, I was, up, line, I was up front. I didn't throw my keys at you or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm still working on the German leader, but uh, I got pretty close there. We actually did one, my, my friend's band, The Bad Noffs, we did the one album, and it's called Follow the Leader, Leader, I.E., uh, you know, well. with that Follow the Song. Yeah. yeah. We were pretentious. <laughs> no, I, I like that, that, though. Well, I mean, it's also interesting, too, because a lot of people appreciate that we're doing a lot of things, but in certain styles, like in classical music and in and, and art song, I mean... If I had specifically gone to, like, music school, they probably wouldn't have let me sing all these styles. Like, if you're trying to do classical music, you're not really supposed to sing the other styles because it'll, like, kind of corrupt your voice a little bit. And there's actually some physical truth to that where it's sometimes confusing for your voice to switch between styles. And that's something I'm trying to navigate. But it's interesting because you can devote your whole life to just studying leader and still not, you know, like, that's still not enough. And yet here we are trying to sing all there these different styles. Thing. You, know what, you know what you should do sometime if you know anybody... From that country, who speaks the language, see what they think of your interpretation. Mm-hmm. And I say this because I actually a friend of mine. I, I got him Tom Waits' Alice CD, and he sings the one song in German. And my friend said after, it's like his German's really bad. Yeah. yeah. And actually, a friend of mine, right from England, that movie The Iron Lady, when it came out with Mar- Mar- Meryl Streep as Margaret Thatcher, she said that accent's just not right. Yeah. You know, for maybe for us, we hear it. So that would be interesting, like, if you had somebody, okay, how did this sound? <laughs> yeah, my friend, Don't ruin my life in hopes by... I know, <laughs> that's what I'm... See, my friend from Saudi Arabia, I'm like, oh, I, I should have run this, one of the, the songs that's in Arabic, um, through with him. But then, I don't know, it's tough, it's tough, and it's, I, I probably will. I but. will say my own thing, I'm not that good with languages, but I knew a little French, so I'm like, the old, um, Paris is a different... Uh, bird in terms of like you don't want to do this in Paris mm. but if you're in other parts of France or Quebec it's our if you try if you make an effort like when I was in Russia I would make an effort 
Mm-hmm. And part of it was because I got disgusted with some tourists who were like pure ugly Americans. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I try, I'm in your country. I want to show you respect. And it probably said, like, you know, serve me a boot and shove it down my throat <laughs> <laughs> something. But they appreciate it that you try. Yeah. You know, that's what I don't like about, like, in America, too. It's like, speak the language. Well, you know, tough. You know, you think it's easy to learn the language. Yeah, yeah. And in, in Europe, they're often quite strict about, like, dialect and stuff like that. Well, I got to Helsinki. Like, I'm in, like I'm in Russia and in Poland. And actually, in Poland, more people spoke English, but in Russia, it would be... Almost, it's like trying to communicate with people, mm-hmm. you know, like that. But like when Helsinki English is one of the official languages, so yeah. when I got there, pe- most people knew it. But I was going to say, mentioning Elton John, I, you know, I don't like to do top tens, but you know, I'm all over music. His concert I went to use ago was probably like in the top five best. Yeah, music. I, I love Elton John, and, and I, I love his. I'm actually getting more into his early seventies, but I have to break this one to you because I've been breaking into a couple of friends. I finally found out what Benny and the Jets is about. Uh, oh, what? Would you know? No, it's about snorting cocaine with a hundred dollar bill. Whew. Think about it, seventies uh, Benny Benjamin. Oh, wow. Benjamin Franklin. Oh, it was, but the worst part was, I'm thinking, okay, he was on the Muppet Show. Can you imagine, like, he's singing that on the Muppet Show? Well, Animal Pride did cocaine, the yeah. drum. <laughs> yeah, that's... But especially his 70s stuff, and I say, like, if you like alternative country bands like the Jayhawks, that keyboards mm-hmm. that he does. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the Jayhawks. No, they're really low. They're one of my favorite alternative, sort of like an alternative country, but, like, that type of keyboard, for a lot of alt country, for their keyboards, it's Elton John. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, maybe people get it because he wore like the funny duck costumes and stuff. Yeah. Well, that's that's one thing that we we've, we've talked about a little bit before. You're not going to wear a duck costume, are you, Tom? No. no. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the lyrics of Benny and the Jets. What? Um, <laughs> hey, kid. I, I one of my friends has been covering it. She's covered Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. So I said we were talking after she played it. And I'm like, I've never known what that song's about. Is it about a band, maybe? Benny. So I went and I looked it up, and I always go multiple sources because mm-hmm. you never know. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my! <laughs> so yeah. I text her, go, you know what you're singing? <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, go through the. Hey, it's a great you, song. Yeah, it is though. But it's like you know, we'll kill the kid fast, come around. But then, <laughs> but then there'll be electric. So you're probably at a concert, probably in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because there's a lot of music written about that sort of thing. In, Especially in, in the 70s, too. I think in the 70s were quite indulgent. Yeah. I think the 60s were. The 70s were a little more. They were the era of the Keith Richards Death Watch. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because we kind of steer clear of a lot of stuff having to do with intoxicants just because we're trying to play like more high-end places realistically you know what i mean we don't want to be like disrespectful i don't even drink anymore or anything well unless it's like you know it's like sometimes like my mom when i was a kid and i was a big elvin underground fan i would play venus and furs and sessionally which is about the old book about you know it's a s&m book by Mm -hmm. and my mom is singing the lyrics and i'm going you know what the song is about yeah, because it actually goes back to a Marquis de Sade book, and Severin's like the servant, and it's all about like uh, you know naughty stuff. Yeah. yeah, that band's great though, Velvet Underground. Yeah. Oh, and I, I think John Cale's version of Venus and Furs is even better though. If you could find, he plays it with violin. But I'm just thinking about some people just don't get that because you know why they get the rhythm. They don't mm-hmm. understand, but you right. could stay. I, I've never heard of either of you wrote like a, write a nasty intoxicant song. Yeah, it's just like you you have to you have to be a little careful with where and when you're playing those, and so we kind of steer clear of that a little bit. Um, we actually 
once had a friend who came and played for us um, at Menden 64, which is, like, kind of a high-end place, and he did a song that had a bunch of, like, swear words in it, and I was kind of there, like, my face gone white. It's not, like, high-end, high-end, but it's definitely, like, a decent establishment, and he comes and starts dropping the F-bomb multiple times in the song. I mean, you can't swear on the podcast, but I'm being highbrow this week. Yeah. But we had one of my friends... They played a gig for New Year's Eve at German House, right? And they do a lot of tongue-in-cheek stuff, but they could be really raunchy. Mm-hmm. And it, they didn't realize there was an older crowd and, like, eight people walked mm-hmm. out. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And one of my friends played like a, like an early show, and she starts swearing up on stage. Yeesh. And then she's looking around. There's all these little kids. All these yeah. Little kids. For sure. It's just, it's in general, to me, not worth it, because usually what it provides aesthetically is not much. And so it's, like, might as well, unless, like, there, I think there's definitely instances where it, like, adds some punch and stuff like that. You know, if you use one word right. Yeah. You know, that's like when we can talk about comic books or pro wrestling on here, we could swear our heads off for <laughs> this one. I want. But I want to also bring up, this is awesome. You're into the Celestials been remastered. Yeah. It's also, can you tell us a little about why you decided to do that? Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting because as, as a, as a like, so we're not only, you know, we're writing the songs, we're performing the songs, and we're like kind of the, the business managers behind it, the producers behind it, wearing a lot of hats. You do and your own stuff, too. I love it. I got the last, like, pink bag, too. Yeah, yeah. But don't we make you sew all stuff this? Too? I don't like, sew make... it, actually, but I do, I, I do like the vinyl stuff. I'm learning how to screen print right now. But um, to, for Into the Celestial, a lot of the reason... So <laughs> mainly it's because I wanted to re-record my vocals because when we were recording it, you know, there's so much hustle and bustle of being in the studio and trying to produce it all and trying to make sure things are going on time and everyone's getting their parts right. And for me, when I'm recording my vocals, I honestly love to be alone. I like it, you know, in the morning and my favorite time of day, I like to be calm. I like to do it on my own. And that's when I think I really get the best product. And I felt like in that situation where there was so much hustle and bustle, I don't think that the vocal performance that I initially gave necessarily served the songs the way I wanted to. And and so, you know, you put so, we put so much work into the first version, but I was thinking, you know, like, I really care about these songs, and I really want to take them to that level that they deserve to be at. And if that requires fixing it this year, and if that requires even fixing it in the future, you know, it's like, it, at a certain point, like, you wonder if it's perfectionism, and it's like, oh, you just keep diddling and diddling. But you also have to say, like, no, like, you have to know when it's worth it to keep pressing forward until you really feel like, okay, in your gut you really feel that this is the way it should be. And and the vocals in, in this version that we just re-released, I, I think, are much more appropriate for the songs, and I'm much more proud of um, them, and I think they're much more representative of what we wanted to say. So it kind of was, like, a big to do in order to just redo that and maybe some people think that's like overboard or something but thank goodness we have this amazing guy named Cole that we work with and I was like Cole you know how we spent those bajillion hours uh, working on that thing hey let me throw you a new thing and we can like kind of start you know like take it back a bunch of stuff and have to redo a bunch of stuff but he was we're so lucky to work with him because he was like you know what I just want to make the best thing too and uh you know, it's it's always like he's so positive. He's always giving this great energy and always just wants to make the best thing possible. And, and I and love like I right. think I I always love like I've always had like an intellectual curiosity about things. I like how things to see some behind the scenes. I love like the liner notes to hear like where they came from and the ideas and everything else. 
which is really fun. I like to hear origins of where things came from. And you don't have like you don't have like your little I love you dearly songs too. You always have like the awesome titles and yeah. <laughs> names of these. And of course I said like Father Morgana mm-hmm. that supposedly if this it's right, you could see it on Lake Ontario. Now I never have I've never seen but either. I guess like the weather. And this is for anybody who doesn't know if Father Morgana is like when you think you see like land or something, is it? It's like is that mm-hmm. sort of well, right? Yeah, yeah, land or like sometimes people see like kind of spirals coming out of the water, but also people have seen like inverted images, so it'll almost look like there's like boats in the air. That's where the whole like flying Dutchman thing came about, where it'll almost look like there's a whole like moving crew in a boat, and it'll be like, whoa, like that that boat with an entire alive crew is in the sky, but it'll just be like some weird reflection off of some different place that's caused by like basically. Like, no, one smoking. time walking my dog in the woods, I thought I saw a little troll. Yeah. I did, and I just keep looking. You see, like, the little hat, the did, bell? Did you see some mushrooms, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> did you see some mushrooms instead? Okay, this was like, a, like back in my 20s, <laughs> we would have known. That's why there were all those UFO sightings in the 60s. Yeah. So I'm looking, and I'm looking. My, now, the one thing I got up my is, like, my dog wasn't barking or anything, right? Mm. You know, your dog barks, you know, you don't get out of the woods, or it's like the, you know, Blair Witch or something. But so I was, what is that? Yeah. You know, then you get your hopes fine. Is he going to give me something? Yeah. <laughs> you get up. It was, I got up. It was the way the light hit, the, like it was around autumn. It was the way the light hit the colors of the leaves just perfectly, mm. like along a tree. That's, That's cool. so interesting. It's one of those things I bet you couldn't even capture with a picture. Or if you want, it. no, if you got that to be like, what's the smudge? Or am I, the other, if you want to go the other way, my friend, the famous tale of Frosty the Carjacker. Where one of my friends, Philly, my good friend Kim, she had to work 36 hours straight. And she had a, she was walking home and it's all snowy. She thought she saw a snowman come to life. Oh, no. Probably because you're sleep deprived. Yeah. But now, I don't know if I subscribe to this because I've really never studied the evolution of human intelligence. But they were saying, like the Greeks, they actually couldn't distinguish between dreams and reality. So they thought they saw the gods and stuff. Mm. Now, I don't know, like, I have to study, like, I've read a lot of Martin Gardner, and he'd probably, do, he'd probably touch on that somewhere, but I don't know if human intelligence, how far advanced we were, like, if you wouldn't know or not. I don't think it's really changed that much since back in that day. Pretty sure it's, like, the same thing, just technology's improved. Yeah. Yeah. But also, who's to say that what we experience in dreams is less valid? Like, I think both Tom and I get some really vivid dreams, and I think a lot of people that are somewhat creative do... And it feels so alive, and it's also, like, a part of your psyche in a way. As much as, like, you're not physically going through that, if you are psychologically, who's to say that's not, like, I valid, agree with that, maybe? too, because I get some, I call them cinematic, or, like, even, mm-hmm. like, I'll be, like, like dead friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to do CV Nicks if you keep talking about dreams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I have so many people who do that song, too. I know. <laughs> I love Stevie, but... Yeah, Stevie's <laughs> great, but, yeah, I mean, that's definitely... And also, you bring, remember, your backgrounds are more like in physics and everything, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, my, little my bit degree physics is in physics. Like, and you bring time. a different background, like, for physics and everything, and not, like, all music or lit or anything else. Mm-hmm. And I think that relates to music, though, because I think, like, science and that's, like, it's, it's very, like, music's the same way. It's structured like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, why I took physics was because for me it was basically like my like philosophy and spirituality all these other kids in class are sitting there being like how can i get a job at lockheed martin and i was like wow like harmonics like this is to me it was the like music this, and like, the spears 
Yeah, it's cool. it's really all so much. You know, a lot of it is really just trigonometry, and you know, and and how you're how you're looking at like. And it's also, I think you talk about into the celestial. It's like that grand question about like how did this all start? What is there? What's afterwards? It's all in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I think, and I love. Like I've always said, I wish I'd be around. I probably won't be when we were like able to like go on other planets and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like the stuff coming back from the James Webb thing. Yeah, yeah, I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think that's really great. Absolutely, space is fascinating. Yeah, and that ties back to the Raven thing because, like, the being free across space and time, and space and time being a continuum, you know, and and music itself being a manipulation of space and time, and like our exploration of time rhythmically and of space, um, like melodically and harmonically, because you know, like the the different wavelengths, which is like the different spaces, the different disruption of the air. That's like what creates the different pitches and their relationships have these fixed intrinsic values that are hierarchical and they interact with each other in ways that we understand. Like they're ma- they absolutely are just mathematical. Like I've it comes into back a to lot like, of that. Yeah. Like, like one of my friends was talking about like time, like his, her, his girlfriend's parents, she sees them like last two years. No, you're not really seeing somebody for two years. I was thinking like some friends. Like, okay, how many times do I see them? So how many times am I actually ever going to see them again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Getting into all that. Oh, and I will say, too, you know, the Ravens were the Kinks' first name, the band The Kinks. Really? Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Which, oh, your Kinks, you know the Kinks, too. So that's Yeah, I'm not, glad. I wouldn't say I really, like, know much, but, you know, I definitely know oh. all the Kinks I've heard. Sometime, you know, it's like when I was your age and everything, we had to walk to school and eight feet of snow and stuff that's when they were around yeah. but this is always it's always awesome having you in we can actually talk like really cool stuff and everything yeah I mean now, even when I see you outside the podcast I feel like we could just go on talking for so yeah so we could we could that's the view that's it's awesome but it's great you came down if you, now you have a website right we do you have a mailing list which I think actually after I signed up for it I think I'm actually on it or anything but won't maybe hurt. Won't yeah. Hurt. yeah awesome yeah. But cool, they just go to, okay, is it Archive Ravens? Yeah, yeah thearchiveravens.com. The, thearchiveravens.com. Yeah, on there you'll see, we have a little rep list, we have booking. We If you scroll down to the bottom, you can subscribe, get on the mail list, which we just send out to tell people about our shows. So yeah. and I pre, you know I actually had a little beef because I like I missed a friend's show last week. <laughs> and I said, why did you tell me? Yeah. And I yeah. think, okay, with social media and, so, you know, there's a lot of downsides of it, obviously, but you know, I do it for this show and to keep in touch with people. Mm-hmm. It makes it so much easier. And like, look, I'm never going to complain if you invite me to a show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to know what's going on. Get yeah. the word out. Yeah, right, for right. Sure. But then sometimes the social media will try to bury it unless you pay them to show it to people. And so, like, it gets like, ah, you know. Oh, I know. It's always like that. And also, I guarantee you go see one of the shows, you'll be hooked. <laughs> and it will be an experience it'll be different than any other show I've, you, that's what I say there's some bands like you the Mighty High and Dry where I just say okay subscribe to your music well they do a little bit but look it's just good music okay yeah. and, if you, and my friends are open minded you're really going to like it and we have an extra treat today which means I'm not going to be talking anymore that, stop the clapping <laughs> <laughs> but they're going to they're going to play a song for us which I'm very thrilled about would you just like to say what you're playing yeah, I think we're going to play a song called Aknare Nare, and that's going to be an Armenian song that we'll also be playing in our uh, Fringe Fest show on September 16th. And um, it's it's about a beautiful woman whose name is Nare, and the lyrics are all in Armenian, but it basically describes 
her beauty and how she steals the hearts of thousands and she's floating around the mountain like a majestic deer and things like that. Very, very beautiful, poetic. Mm-hmm. Sounds so. awesome. Well, thanks, Tom. Even thanks a heck of a lot. This is a lot of fun. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Cool. Yeah.